Do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, I fled my bed with weeping and drenched my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. Thank you. Would you please uh, pray with me? Gracious God, we come to you this morning asking for your help as we... um, as we continue uh, looking at these different Psalms where the authors are bringing to you uh, their deepest pains, their deepest worries, their fears. And today we look at illness uh, and we read these words of David uh, as he is sick from something. uh, And um, we hear Bernice's prayer And we listened to the list of things that she prayed for that were uh, given to us last week and recognize, Lord, that this is something that is very present for us. And so we need to hear what you have to say. We need to learn from you through David's words on how it is that we as your people can bring uh, our, our illnesses, the illnesses of those that we care for, before your throne uh, with grief and sadness, but also with hope. Uh, And so would you help us this morning to do that? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we we asked you to fill out cards uh, for us to let us know, like, what are some of the ways in which you struggle with illnesses as a church? And you gave us cards. And I had a slide, I had intended to put a slide that listed them all, but I forgot. Uh, so I've got the cards here, and uh, you can see several people that were dealing with back pain, uh, general anxieties disorder, uh, um, hereditary spastic paraplegia, uh, left leg hamstring, uh, two years of pain, uh, PTSD, deep depression, uh, emphysema, high blood pressure, anxiety, depression, heart arrhythmia. And those are just the ones that filled out a card. Uh, I know for a fact that there are a number of people that didn't fill out a card because I didn't see the things that I know you're struggling with. Uh, and so as I was reading it this past week, I was, uh, I was typing these things out. And the, there's, this, there's this refrain that is used in a lot of the, the books of common prayer that the church use. Uh, and it just kind of kept, these three words just kept coming back over to me again and again and again. Lord, have mercy. Uh, because some of the cards had multiple things on them, right? You see them as a list, but the reality is that some of those cards had four or five, six things on them. Uh, and the reality is, that when we talk about illness, that we're talking about something that really uh, hits close to home uh, in really significant ways. 
And, and so we want to be sensitive to that. We want to like, what's the language that scripture gives us to be able to deal with that, to be able to process that, to be able to think about it, to be able to bring our sorrow to the Lord and say, God, what gives? Uh, what's going on? Psalm 6 gives us that language. Psalm 6 is a psalm that David is writing. At some point, we don't know where in his life this happens, but Psalm 6 is a psalm that David writes uh, in the midst of illness. And it seems that this particular illness that he is suffering from is pretty significant because he's, he's talking about possibly dying from it. Uh, and so this is a moment of deep anguish for the author, for David, as he is thinking about the psalm. Uh, and so it's a psalm of lament. And lament, we, uh, I quoted this author a few weeks ago, lament, Mark Vragop in his book, Deep Clouds, Deep Mercy, says lament is how we bring our sorrow to God. Uh, lament is how Christians grieve. Lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. So when we, when we lament, uh, we're, we are taking in, uh, we're, we are making a decision uh, to intentionally bring, in this particular context for today, that we're bringing the illness that we're struggling with or that the person we're praying for is struggling with, that they're dealing with. We're bringing that to the Lord. Uh, instead of turning from the Lord, which is the temptation for many, right? You, you get sick and then you just say, God, why did you do this? And so we turn from God. That's a temptation that we face. Uh, many, many, not just us, but many people face. Or another temptation could be to turn from the situation, just resign ourselves and say, well, it is what it is. Uh, and not actually deal with the particular illness and just be like, I'm going to block it off. And scripture says neither of those options is the best option. The best option is to bring the illness, bring the pain, bring the grief, bring the suffering to the Lord and say, God, I need your help with this. I need you to help me know how to wrestle with that. That's what the Psalms of Lament teach us how to do. So once again, we're going to do the same thing that we've been doing each week. We're going to look at three things. We're going to look at how the Psalm initially uh, turns to God. Then we're going to look at the lament. And then we're going to look at the hope that it's holding out for us. So those are the three steps. And those are the three steps that most of the Psalms of Lament take. So that's why we're using that as our format. Now, Psalm 6, really interestingly, the, it just kind of jumps in, right? There isn't this extended reflection at the beginning. In Psalm 51, which we looked at two weeks ago, David is reflecting on the character of God. So we read, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgression. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So in that particular situation, what we saw was that the lament is, uh, is, is, uh, starts off with a reflection on who God is. He is merciful. He's compassionate, has unfailing love, and he's also just. You do not leave the guilty. It says that against you and you only have I sinned. Psalm 44, which we looked at last week, was different in that Psalm 44, we're reflecting on the actions of God. So there the psalm begins, we have heard with our ears, O God, our ancestors have told us what you did in days long ago. And so here in Psalm 44, the, the entry point of the psalm is not remembering the character of God, but remembering the actions of God. Um, but Psalm 6, David just jumps in. 
He just immediately presses in and starts praying. And there's a really important lesson for us here uh, on the nature of prayer. So, you know, the Psalms are given to you and I in order to teach us how to pray. That's one of the purposes that they serve. Uh, and so part of what um, we need to learn and part of what we need to grow in our capacity if we want to have rich and vibrant prayer lives is we need to recognize that we need to be able to draw from the character of God and we need to be able to draw from the actions of God in our prayer, right? So sometimes we need to be reminded that God has been gracious and that God is, as, as who, who he is in his identity is that he is gracious and compassionate. Sometimes we need to remember his faithfulness in our lives or his faithfulness in scripture. Um, and there are times, however, when you just got to jump in. Right? There are times, Psalm 6 is an opportunity where we see like sometimes it's okay to just, I got to bring this to you. It's urgent. It's pressing. Uh, and so prayer is a mixture of these different types of approaches to God. And part of the reason why we, we uh, spend the time, we have to develop a, uh, a, a list, as it were, right, of what are the characters of God that we want to draw from? What are the actions of God that we want to draw from? Is because it is honoring the God to say, this is who you are, but it's also helpful for us. Because we forget sometimes who it is that we're talking to. Now, what's interesting, Psalm 6 jumps right in. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath kind of jumps in and you're like, okay, what's going on? We're going to look at that in a second. But what's really interesting is that David is not making any demands here. Uh, In fact, uh, what one commentator suggested is that it's very similar to what we see happening in the book of Esther. I don't know if you have all read the book of Esther recently. The book of Esther is probably one of my favorite books of the Old Testament. Uh, So hold tight. At some point soon, we're going to look at the life of Queen Esther. Uh, If you don't know the story of Esther, Esther is a woman who rises to become the queen of Persia. uh, And she finds out that there is a man who is intent on committing genocide. He's intent on killing all of the Jews in the Persian empire. Uh, And there's a whole bunch of reasons why we can talk about that uh, on another day. Uh, And so what she does is she, she hatches a plan Uh, to go before the king. And what Esther does is it is a master class. Esther is a master class on using cultural intelligence to navigate a really dangerous situation. She knows she has to approach the king, who is her husband, but she has to approach the king a certain way. So she's not going to go in and demand of the king to do something. What, this is what we read in Esther chapter five. This is how she approaches the king. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens before this, which is really fascinating. But this is how she approaches the king. She says, if it pleases the king, let the king come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. Now, she already knows the next three steps, but, but she doesn't say to the king, he is trying to kill my people and you need to do something about it. She doesn't demand anything. She simply says, hey, I have a request for you. And David here, as the psalm is beginning, he's making a request of all. He's not demanding. Why? Because we have to remember that when we pray, we are praying to God. So we need to be honest in our prayer, but there has to be humility. We, we need to be real. We have the opportunity to be real with God in our prayer, but we have to be reverent. Uh, we can be direct, but we cannot be 
demanding. So that's, the, that's how the psalm starts. It's different from the other psalms that we've looked at. What's the lament? What is it that the David is bringing? He is sick. Uh, so he's in this moment of, of disease. He's in this moment of despair. He's in this moment of, of distress. Uh, and there are several things that, that if we look at the psalm, we see several things that David is praying about. First of all, when you're sick, uh, when you and I are sick, it is a moment for us to, to reflect. That's the first thing that David, we see David doing. He says, uh, do not rebuke me. Now, why would he do that? Why would he say that to the Lord? Why would he say, I have not been guilty of anything? Uh, in the ancient world, there was a, almost a one-to-one correlation that people saw between sin and sickness. Uh, so if you'd done something wrong, you could expect that you would, something would happen to you. And oftentimes that would be illness. Uh, and part of what the New Testament, part of what the scriptures teach, both in the Old and the New Testament, is that that one-to-one correlation is reductionistic. Uh, that that's not always the way things work. And so the whole book of Job is an extended meditation on the fact that just because uh, that the righteous suffer, that you can't reduce and be simplistic and say, if you sin, therefore you're going to get sick. Jesus himself in John chapter nine is asked the question about a man who's born blind and, and people say who sinned him or his parents. Uh, and Jesus replies and says, neither this man nor his parents sin. This happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So we have to reject this simplistic. This is the order of how it always works. However, however, sometimes our actions make us sick. Sometimes our sin does lead to illness. So for example, uh, if you, um, if you uh, I, uh, have an idol of work in your life, we call that workaholism, that is a sin. Uh, there was a researcher by the name of Alexandra Michelle at the University of Pennsylvania who several years ago uh, conducted, uh, published the results of a 12-year study that she did on investment bankers who regularly worked between 100 and 120 hours a week. Now, there are only 168 hours in a week, okay? So these investment bankers were working at the expense of sleep, relationships, self-care, and just about everything else. Now, what do you think happened? For the first three, three and a half years, they crushed it. They were, they were making so much money. They were advancing. They were getting promotion. Everything was going great. And about year four, the study found that they were having uh, chronic exhaustion, insomnia, back and body pain, autoimmune diseases, heart arrhythmias. They were having both physical and mental problems because... They had made an idol of work. Sometimes our actions do affect our health. But here's the tension, right? We don't always know when that is. And so that's what Psalm 6 is actually doing. Psalm 6 is actually saying like, God, if there's something going on in my heart that I don't know about, show me. There's a reflection that has to happen, but we can't always assume. This is where we have to be really careful. We can't always assume that That's what's happening. Can't always assume that because I have sinned, therefore I'm sick. Sometimes we're sick because guess what? We live in a world that's cursed. 
Sometimes we get sick because in the way that our bodies have been manufactured, but been created by God, something just is a little off because we live in a world that is uh, the terminology that we use is we live in a world that has fallen. We live in a world where things are not the way that they were designed originally to be. This is a part of the Christian story that we were created. We were created to have bodies that never got sick. We were created to have bodies that never died. We are created to have bodies that uh, could, you know, do whatever, like that they don't age and get, you know, creaks and lost of eyesight and all of that. But because of the reality of evil in our world, because of the reality of sin in our world, all these things happen. So sometimes we're sick just because the world is broken. Now, how then, so that's the, so the first thing is that Psalm 6 is, is very reflective, right? It's saying like, Lord, um, help me to understand what's going on. But secondly, you see, David's really impatient. Have you ever been sick and been impatient? Right? You know what I'm talking about? He says, how, in verse 3, how long, O Lord? David, part of his lament is like, why isn't this going away? How long, O Lord, is this going to be happening? Because sometimes the waiting can be excruciating, can it? Sometimes uh, illness causes us to have both fears and tears. David uh, writes, uh, actually the the New American Standard Version of the Bible says that, uh, writes it this way, my bones are dismayed. Not profound, not powerful. My bones are aching, my bones have you ever had pain where it's like down to your bones and it's just excruciating? One of the cards that was written, uh, the person wrote, I am living in a dark hole. My heart, I'm just like, oh, right? But doesn't that describe what David is talking about here when he's saying, I'm crying myself to sleep, right? This, this utter agony and distress God cares about that for you and for me. Next, we see that illness affects not just our bodies, but it affects our souls as well, right? We are not just a mass of cells. You and I have souls. That's part of what makes us to be people created in the image of God. And so David writes and says in verse three, my soul is in deep anguish. Again, uh, I think of those words uh, of, of living in a, in a deep, in a dark hole uh, or the folks and who wrote cards that were talking about uh, mental illness or PTSD, like all of these things. It's just not just what affects our physical body, but it's what affects our emotions. And then the last thing that we'll talk about, there's several others, but the last thing that I'll mention is that David actually uh, makes reference to the fact that sometimes people say really stupid things when you're sick. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I see all the faces. You know, right? Sometimes people will say things that are dumb, insensitive, hurtful, and thoughtless when we are sick. And David, in verses 8 to 10, it's interesting, right? Because we're not 100% sure what the illness is, so we don't know the context. And so, therefore, we don't know what he's addressing. Some uh, are suggest that maybe that there are people who are waiting for David to die, because, you know, when the king dies, guess what? Somebody else gets to become king, right? Uh, and so some are suggesting that maybe uh, what David is talking about in verses 8 to 10 is, is people actually are waiting for him to die. 
Others have suggested that something similar to what happens in the book of Job, if you're familiar with that story. Job uh, has a bunch of misfortune that befalls him. Uh, He has some illnesses that befall him. And some friends come to him in order to comfort him. Uh, And what they do is for, you know, what I think Job is like 40 chapters, right? So for like 30 chapters of the book of Job, they're just telling him, you sinned, you sinned. You sinned. And he's like, I didn't sin. I didn't sin. I didn't sin. Right. And so, so there, there's a phrase, if you've grown up in the church, right? Job's comforter. So some have suggested that maybe that's what's happening here. Either way, either way, sometimes when we're sick, part of the lament is that the people that we thought would be a comfort to us are actually not a comfort at all. And there's more, but I don't want to keep going. So these are the kinds of things that Psalm 6 is telling you, bring this to the Lord. Bring these things to God. Lament over these things with him, whether they're physical or mental, whether they're chronic or temporary. And again, looking at the cards, like there are things here that that are just like, like these are not just things that you've been dealing with for a couple of weeks. These are things that are ongoing, things that, that will go on probably for some until, until their bodies are restored. Uh, and so that's where we're going to go next, right? What's the hope that Psalm 6 gives us? It's actually there. You may not see it at first, but it's actually there. Notice what David writes in the middle of the psalm. He says, Lord, uh, he says, turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? Now, you have to understand the ancient world, uh, the idea was that when you died, you went to Sheol, and Sheol was a place of silence. Uh, And so that's, David is speaking out of his context when he says, no one praises you from the dead. And so he's he's basically, he's arguing with God. He's like, look, if if I die, I won't be able to praise you. So heal me so I can praise you. That's, in essence, the argument that he's trying to make with the Lord. But what he's doing is he's, he's hit that argument is actually uh, on, a, on a very biblical foundation. Remember what I said at the beginning? We were created for a world where everything was perfect. We were created for a world in which our bodies don't get sick. They don't get old. They don't decay. You don't have aches and pains and you don't die. That's the world you were created to be a part of. That's not the world that we're a part of, right? Because of the existence of sin and evil in our world. This is the, this is the Christian story. And what we, and what scripture teaches us is that God is doing something about this. And he is doing something about this through the story of Jesus, that Jesus is the one who comes. Why do you think Jesus spends so much time healing people in his ministry? It wasn't just so that he could show a bunch of cool tricks. Jesus came and part of what he was doing is he was giving everybody a glimpse of what was going to be coming. And so every time that Jesus made a lame person walk, every time that Jesus healed a blind person, every time that Jesus raised somebody from the dead, every time that Jesus cast out a demon from somebody, he was saying, this is what it's going to be like in the future. This is what you're waiting for. And he was bringing us little glimpses of that 
in this life. Jesus is even now to this day, he's continuing that work. Church, I know a lot of you, right, are in, in, in uh, medical fields. You realize, right, that if you're, you're a doctor, if you're a nurse, if you're a tech, if you are a, a, a social worker doing mental health, if you're a counselor, if you're the janitor that helps keep the hospital or the medical office clean, if you are uh, the geneticist, if you are the researcher, if you're the rep that sells drugs, to doctors, I could go on, right? You are the hands and feet of Jesus. Through your labors, Jesus answers prayers for healing. And so your vocation, your work is very profound. You are the means by which God will more often than not answer prayers for healing. That is the work that Jesus continues to do through his church. But, so we praise you for your work, but we're all going to die. David is dead. And the reality is that all of us at some point will die. For David, he thought death was the end of the story. Death, I won't be able to praise you when I'm dead. We know because of the New Testament that that's actually not how it works. We know because of the New Testament that when we die, we will go to heaven. And we know that one day Jesus will come back. And when he comes back, our bodies will be restored. We go and read in the gospels about Jesus's resurrection appearances that kind of body that Jesus have, most people believe the body that you see Jesus, you read about Jesus having after his resurrection is very close to the kinds of bodies that we will have, if not exactly the same. That's what's waiting. That's why we read in Revelation 21. Uh, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear away from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. So here's the thing that I can, like God will, I can tell you with 100% confidence that the Lord will answer your prayer for healing. I'm I'm 100% confident that he will answer your prayer for healing. The question is, will he do it in this life? We know for certain he's going to do it in the life to come. That's our hope. Our hope is what David hints at, and the, the question that David asks is, with your unfailing love, allow me to praise you after I die. And what the New Testament says, what the gospel teaches us, is that in the midst of the, the suffering and the lament and the sadness of sickness in this world, and I don't want to, I don't want to take away from that at all. Like I, I, I recognize that some of us here are dealing with significant health issues and that you will deal with those things until Jesus returns or you go meet him in heaven. And, and we lament that. 
Like that's why we talk about lament because the only way to respond to that is to say, Lord, why? But that's not the end of the story, church. The end of the story is that one day our king is going to come back. In a few weeks, we're going to talk about his resurrection. That resurrected king is going to come back and he is going to make everything new. And on that day, all your sickness, all your diseases, all of the aches and pains, they're going to go away. You're going to be healed. You're going to be whole. We're not going to live in darkness anymore. We're going to be basking in the light of the son of God. And that's our hope. So as we lament, we look forward to the day when Jesus will return and we can have that great hope. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you have um, given us Psalm 6 to teach us how to lament. And we thank you that the questions that David is asking in Psalm 6, you answer in the New Testament. That we know for sure, certainty, with certainty, that you will one day uh, heal our bodies. That you will one day restore us so that we will be whole, body and soul. Uh, we look forward to that day. And yet, Lord, we recognize that today that is a distant reality for some. And so we pray, Lord, for our brothers and sisters who filled out cards last week and for those who didn't fill out cards who are, um, who are struggling with all kinds of illnesses. We bring them before you, Lord, and ask that you would uh, bring healing, that you would bring comfort, that you would listen to their prayers and that you would listen to our prayers on their behalf. Lord, that they would know that you are the one who will wipe away their tears, that they will know that you are the one who is with them and that you are with them even in death, that they will know, Lord, that we as a church will strive not to be thoughtless in our words, but kind and compassionate and caring for them. And we trust, and Lord, we thank you for uh, the, the women and men in our church who are your hands and feet, uh, who through their vocations and through the things that they do, whether it, whether it is the, 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 the surgeon cutting somebody open, the nurse providing care, the mental health worker providing counsel, the janitor cleaning up, Lord, that all of that work is holy work that you use in order to answer our prayers for healing. And so Lord, we pray for everyone in our church who is a medical professional, Lord, that this week that they will know that they will have a sense of your presence with them as they do this work in your name. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.